Be sure the choir monitors are up for them, okay? Good evening. It's nice to be here on a Sunday before the 4th of July. And so the numbers that we have chosen today is to remind us of who we are um, as a nation under God. This coming Friday is July the 4th, and we the people will celebrate the founding of our nation, a nation of freedom and liberty for everyone. It's well documented that the very foundations and principles of our nation are based on the, Judeo the Judeo-Christian beliefs and choices to our daily living. However, and there's always that however, America has fallen and America has been at the crossroads for many days now, some time, you might say, and now it must choose. See, it is us, we are the people. What will it be? History proves that under God, America survives and prospers, regardless of the conditions. But again, the question is, how will you choose? Because we are still, we, the people.
Amen, amen. If you would stand with me. What an awesome country we've been blessed with, and what a beautiful song. What a beautiful song. That's the voices of Psalm 95. Let's give it up for them. They are our mature adults here at our church. They are wonderful, and uh, we are blessed to have them. Uh, again, it's, a, it's going to be a good week. It's 4th of July this coming Friday. It's great to see you all. Hopefully this weekend uh, you get some time to celebrate our freedom, and uh, you get to have some blessed time with some family and friends. Tonight, you've come on a good night. We have a uh, very special guest, one of our own, and uh, the new pastors at the uh, Life Community Church in Blue Ash, Ohio. Rex and Angela Lloyd are here tonight to share the word with us. Let's give it up for them. Of course, they're, they are our old friends, and we love them very much. And You're going to be blessed by the ministry tonight. With that being said, we're going to get out in the aisles, and we're going to welcome you all to church tonight. Let's get out, shake some hands, maybe throw in a high five or two, and welcome each other to the house of God. In the name of Jesus. 
of God tells us that there's an enemy out there and I'm not trying to get super spiritual right now but as we prepare to continue in our worship this evening with our giving Lord put it on my heart all day as we've been here worshiping the Lord and as I saw how 
hearts break and people lift up their hands and they just open their hearts and pour out love for the Lord as we worship. But the Bible says that there's an enemy out there. And he's been around for a long time trying to take something from God's people that doesn't belong to him. And he'll do whatever he can to demotivate us, to keep us from opening our hearts, raising our hands, and worshiping God with all we have. He tries to keep us from giving God what's due him, and that's our worship. He doesn't want us to enter into the fullness of our relationship with God because he knows that worship brings the presence of God, and he knows that our giving brings the blessings. And as we feel his presence and as we see his blessings in our lives, we grow in our relationship with him, and we take that relationship to the world, and that initiates change. He doesn't want us to worship. But thank God for Jesus who's given us the authority over the enemy. And if we don't allow our life circumstances and if we don't allow our situations to keep us from worshiping God, we can give God what's due him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your house. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to live in this country where we can freely worship you. Lord, we can raise our hands and we can open our hearts and we can shout how much we love you. Lord, and we thank you for that. It's a true blessing. Lord, I ask that you would minister to us tonight as we continue in our worship this evening with our giving. I ask that you would bless, Lord, the offering, that it would meet the needs of your church. Lord, and that you would bless the giver tonight as we give you praise and honor in this house. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This week, I received a, an email from a good friend of mine. And in this email, you can open it and, and find all the names of the young men and young women who died in Vietnam. It gave you just where they were on the Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C. Every state every city and I went in I went in and opened for Middletown Ohio there were 12 names there but a good friend of mine Charles Kenny Oculus his name was written and as I read this, it reminded me that freedom is not free. Many, many thousands of men and women paid the price that we can stand here today and speak as we are. There was a price to be paid. Blood was spilt. But there was also one one who gave us victory, and his name is Jesus. And his name is written in blood. And in his name, we can stand in freedom, knowing that victory is ours. Listen as we sing this song. Worship with us.
Bible said, he that the Son is set free is free indeed. How many believe that? Bible also said, where two or three are gathered together, he's in the midst. How many knows he's here with us? The task tonight is not always knowing. The task is remembering how close he is. And we're going to sing a little chorus here. And I just want us sometimes to get our mind off who's here, who's not here, and uh, maybe who's even singing or speaking, and just remember why we're here in the first place. Key of G, you want to try this? Joy. 
let you sing it one more time. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Maybe that's you this night. Why don't we just lift our hands and say, Lord, we know you're here. Just have your will and let your will be done. Have your way, Lord, in my life tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here in that course saying, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Bless me now. Hallelujah. It's not the fact of knowing, it's just the fact of remembering. Hallelujah. He's been here all times. He's closer than what we think. My, my, my. I got four children, and, and if I talk to my children, Brother Cam, in a loud voice all the time, and I train my children to only respond to me when I'm yelling at them, they're going to fail to hear me in the ordinary. Sometimes we train our mind to only experience God in the extraordinary and we fail to hear Him and see Him in the ordinary. Come on. The psalmist said, declare and look at His handiwork. Those of you that live in Monroe, I live in Monroe. Beautiful rainbow yesterday. I took my little five-year-old son out and and I don't know if he had just had never seen one or paid attention, but it was very bright. I told my kids, I said, it's just a visible sign of God's invisible grace. Just another part of God's handiwork to let us know he's never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. We change. I want to say we appreciate this opportunity and we love the pastors and the leadership here and uh, I guess going on this coming fall makes about two years that we've been coming here in and out and we've been filling in quite a bit uh, at churches filling in at some sabbaticals we are at, at presently at the location of Blue Ash it is a replant some of you have seen us here on Sunday mornings think well I thought that guy was pastoring 
Well, we're starting a replant. We're starting our core groups, which we've been having on Wednesday nights. Lord willing, in August, the first weekend, we will launch out and have our first service on Sunday there because it's a replant uh, of the church. The church that was there was no longer there. And we're just uh, praying that God helps us get that church back on its feet. How many knows that's God's will? It's been there for 62 years. And I'm praying, God, breathe on us, breathe through us, that we can say something to reach that community. We love him. We love the Lord, and we love this opportunity. And uh, we're going to be turning our Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 9. I was sitting over here this morning, and I was had my, my son was by me, Isaac, and I told Isaac, I punched Isaac on, gouged him a little bit. I said, what Pastor Richard is talking about, I'm going to be talking a little bit about tonight. I told my son, I just hope they don't think I was writing my notes this morning because I showed my son my notes that I've had printed out for a while. My son said, well, God, maybe, Dad, maybe somebody just needs to hear it a second time about the truth. And we want to we look at this story, the book of Mark, chapter 9. Let's, let's start uh, reading in uh, verse 14. I love this story. The Bible said, and he came to his disciples, and he saw a great multitude, and the scribes questioning. Verse 15 said, straightway, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, running to him, and saluted him. And he asked the scribes, he said, what question ye with them? One of the multitude answered and said, I brought my son unto thee, which has a dumb spirit. Wherever I take him, he teareth thee. He foameth and gnashes with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that you should cast him out. And they could not. That's the disciples. He answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. The Bible said they brought him unto him. And when they had saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and he fell down to the ground wallowed foaming and he asked his father how long has it been like this he said since he's just a, a child and often it cast him into the fire and to the waters and destroy him but if you could do anything just have compassion on us and help us Lord I love this scripture Jesus said if you can believe all things are possible to him that believeth then the father answered and he cried out with tears and he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's my key scripture this afternoon. Verse 25 goes on and says, and Jesus, he saw that the people come running together and, and then he, he talked to it and he cast it out, that dumb spirit, and charged him to come out of him. Verse 26, the spirit cried and ran, and, 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 but Jesus, in verse 27, took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he rose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him probably, why could we not do it? These things come not except by prayer, by fasting. Then the Bible said they departed and went away and passed through Galilee. 
I want to preach tonight by the help of the Lord. Verse 24, I want to talk about the cry of that father this afternoon. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You've got to understand, this man, ever since this boy had been a child, had just been torn, had been wrecked. And this guy said, I believe you, Lord, but help my unbelief. Now, when it comes to Dalton Thomas, we give him a hard road to plow. Because Thomas, we nicknamed him Doubting Thomas. I'm not going to do a survey tonight and ask how many people's ever doubted because I guarantee you every hand would go up, at least everybody that's honest. Sometimes we're kind of like, I love this because he doubted, but sometimes we're just like that, that uh, impala from Africa. It's capable of jumping nine feet into the air, although it's a very small creature, about three and a half feet tall. Yet, you can contain it in a zoo and keep it confined to a yard with only a four-foot-tall wall. Why? Because the pala, impala will never jump anywhere unless it can see the place where its feet's going to land. Sometimes we're just like that. We have the capability of believing. We have the faith of believing. But sometimes we're afraid to do it only because we can't see the place where our feet's going to land. And I've been doing some discipleship with the couples that have been with us there at Blue Ash. And I've been going back down to the very basics of salvation, the basics of Christianity. And sometimes in me being saved this year makes 26 years that I've been saved. And being saved about all of my life and being in ministry uh, the majority of that time, I find myself sometimes even just like this father. So we begin to pray about this scripture. I begin to see this. Lord, yes, I believe, but yet doubt was present. Yes, he did have faith in Jesus because he believed that Jesus could do it, but yet doubt in his own life was sometimes present. I'd like to think about it in this way, and this is my thought for this afternoon. This man believed but sometimes your circumstance contradicts what you believe. And sometimes our circumstance, despite what we believe in God, contradicts what we believe. And I'm not talking about a sinful life. Because this man believed that Jesus was a healer, but yet his son remained sick. He believed that Jesus was the deliverer but his son remained bound. And he began, to, he began to ask the question, Christ, to that man, said, if you can only believe, all things are possible. Pastor Richard, there's times when there's been people in church that as a pastor, I've wanted just to go up and shake, and I know that's not good ethics, but I just wanted to say, if you can only believe, all things are possible to you. You can get out of the situation that you're in. You can know that God is a healer. 
You can know that God can deliver your children if you'd only give God a chance and you would believe in Him. But the problem this afternoon is we do get spiritually charged. And we're kind of like Moses when he's up on the mountain. He's on fire and he's glowing lightning and thunder. But when he comes back down with those tablets, it's kind of like the time you get that message on your heart and it's burning, that song on your soul that just you can't wait to sing. And when you get up, everybody looks at you like a deer in headlights and you just want to take that message and throw it up in the air. Moses threw the tablet at him when he came down on fire and seen him dancing because he reality of the flesh kicked in and sometimes as a preacher we preach it in so much that I don't want to lose reality and if you stay around me very long you'll find out I'm real I am what I am and it is what it is what you see is what you get and I came this afternoon realizing that when I preach about healing, I've seen people healed before, not through my hands. I've seen people raised up off their bed. God heal them instantly. And when we preach faith so much sometimes, and we preach God's word so much sometimes, we seem to lose reality. And then we come off the mountain and out of a charged service and get down the road and our tire is low. Gas tank is empty. Let me think of some other things that may happen in reality. You get down and your neighbor fusses at you. Or you go down the road and somebody you cuts you off and tells you that's your number one with the wrong finger. Some of you smiling because you had that happen to you. Then you suddenly realize, man, I'm dealing with reality. This man was dealing with reality because he said, I believe you, Lord, but yet my circumstance contradicts what I believe. James said it this way. Let me move on. James 3 and 11. James asked the question that I'm going to talk to you this afternoon because I'm going to be real with you. Because some of you this afternoon, if we raised our hand and believed how many to saying God's a Savior, everybody would raise their hand because, number one, it's the right answer to say. And number two, we probably really believe it. But James said this. He asked the question. He says, does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig give off an olive berry? Can a fountain yield salt water and fresh water at the same time? This man said, I believe, but yet he said, I don't believe. Sometimes we get so spiritual that we feel we forget we're in the flesh. This may be more pastoral tonight, and I apologize for that, but it's what I felt like preaching. Because sometimes when we're supercharged and we realize that there's another part of man besides the spiritual that is always fighting against us, it is the thing called the flesh. Galatians 5 and 17 said, For the flesh 
lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you should do. How many say amen to that? The Bible said that the flesh and the spirit are always contrary. Everybody say contrary. I'm a school teacher and I love class participation. So I might have you repeat a word or two. So Brother Gary, what's that telling me is that when I'm spiritual, if I can only stay on that cloud of spirituality, be awesome. Paul said, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He realized that there was an old man that he had to put away and behold all things become new. But the problem with me, Sister Liz, is every once in a while when I walk by the grave of the old Rex Lord, he's got his leg or arm stuck up out of the grave trying to dig his way back up and I've constantly got to conquer that flesh problem. Jesus did not rebuke this man for being doubtful because he realized this man was still fleshly. There was a spiritual side. The Bible said, Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Romans 8 and 5 said, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. Jesus said that's why with men... Things are impossible because we have that fleshly nature contrary always to the other beliefs. So I began to pray about this and I thought, Lord, these folks don't know me very well, thinking I'm preaching a downing message. But no, I've seen too many people stand in prayer line, walk away defeated because they think their faith is broken. Many times people get saved and they walk away feeling that peace, forgetting that there's that other enemy, our flesh, that is contrary to always what is good, and they feel like our faith is broken. No, it's not the fact that faith is broken. It's the thing that we've got our sorry flesh, not physically, but that inward struggle that is always contrary to do that which we should do. This man's contradicted totally against what he believed. Jesus said with men things are totally impossible. There was some impossibilities. Number one, a physical impossibility. But Jesus solved it by picking the man, the young boy up, and he lifted him up. So he solved the physical impossibility. But then there was a spiritual impossibility. The spiritual impossibility was that he was bound and he could not get free by a spirit. And the Bible said that Jesus rebuked the spirit. We sometimes forget that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and those things. And we understand that. And there's times when Jesus heals us physically. There's times when Jesus heals us uh, our spiritual impossibilities. But yet there are times when the impossible becomes believable. That which seems to contradict what we believe. 
And there's times when our family, we've got cancer. I've got an aunt that has cancer. She's in her mid-50s, and she's in the fourth stage of pancreatic cancer, has been saved all of her life. And, and you know, if you ask her tonight if God is a healer, she says, yes, he's a healer. But yet that physical impossibility seems to contradict totally what she believes. And the enemy sometimes corners us to make us take a second-class seat just because something contradicts what we believe. I'm here to tell you tonight that faith is not what you see. Faith is not seeing where you're landing. Faith is just the initiative to get us off the ground so we start jumping. And we understand that tonight. And the impossibility, Jesus said, he asked him, he said, can you believe? The Bible says this, and we asked tonight, can you believe? Sure we can believe. Sure we believe God is a healer. The Bible said to every man is given a measure of faith. And I wondered, Brother Cam, what that faith, that measure of faith was. It had the same capability in that dried up corn little kernel of corn the capability that's in that same dead dried up kernel of corn that when it meets the soil and the water it has the ability inside of himself not to get saved but to believe that it can live again and there's something that happens when the Spirit of the Lord comes inside of our heart and John said it this way he said but as many as received him he has given them the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do we have the capability inside of us? No, we don't. The Bible said, he has given us the power, he, to become the sons of God. The Bible said, no man can come unto the Father except he sent him, has drawn him, and then I will raise him up at the last day. But see, sometimes we forget that in our own selves, that years ago, sin separated man at their heart. And because of that, the Adamic nature, which we call the flesh tonight, has broken down the relationship between God and man and has separated all of us through. And that within our own selves, we do not have the capability to have dominion and to subdue like we used to because of the fall of man. And ever since that fall, we've been trying to find ways to get back to God and to eternity. The Bible said that men tried to build fire upon the, the mountain to reach God, and yet it was the wrong God. They tried to build a tower to reach to heaven in their own abilities, but they failed in their task to reach God. And idols have been set up trying to reach the attention of God and of a certain God to believe in. But men has constantly, constantly fell and fallen. And Jesus seen this same part of that man that said, I believe, yes, I do mentally, but in my heart I struggle. Why? Because in ourselves we cannot make the sun get up because we see in the natural that which sometimes seems to be the impossible. But God, on the other hand, sees through the spiritual. As he looks beyond our faults and sees our needs, he sees the end, not the beginning. Because if God is eternal, and we believe that, if you believe it, say amen. Then that means he's in eternity. 
which we're headed towards eternity, that means he's already at the end looking back. So doesn't that mean he already knows the way that we take because he's already at the end of the race and he can look back and tell us the turns that we take. That's why he came to earth because he came from the end coming back to the beginning, taking on the humanity of flesh, being eclipsed, but yet not limited to power. And he took it on and the Bible said in the fullness of time God said, his son made of the woman made under the law because there was a hedge that separated man between earth and the natural and the supernatural and God knew that we can only see in the natural what we see and we couldn't see beyond the hedge to the supernatural so God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that Jesus came down as a hedge breaker and he broke the hedge of eternity that's thing which separated the natural from the supernatural and the Bible said when Jesus did it he made the proclaim of this he said I am the door by if any man enter me he shall be saved going in and going out and find pasture later on in the 14th chapter he said I am the way I am the truth I am the life no man can come into the father except by me may be asking and you say preacher nothing what you said is making sense because you're asking when my circumstance contradicts what I believe what do I do we don't believe in what we see we believe in him who makes it all possible and we see this in another setting and this is a separate message Jesus he touched that blind man and he asked that blind man he said what do you see he said I see men as trees walking I'm gonna get down here usually I walk around anyway pastor stand up for a minute I'm, I'm gonna give you this illustration stand up just for a minute both of you I'll make you work tonight this man all he had ever known was stick figures in his mind relating to a tree. Environmental print, as we school teachers would call it, in the beginning emergent stages of reading and writing. He only related to what he saw because that's all he felt. So when he was hanging on to a tree, he was hanging on to his brother, and they were both in like figure and, and, and standing and so when Jesus touched him, Jesus said, what do you see? He said, I see men as trees walking. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You can sit down, brother. Thank you. He said, that's not going to work because you're still seeing with the natural and the way you feel. He said, that's not the way it is. Jesus said, let me pray for you again and touch you. The second time he said, I see it the way it's supposed to be. I see, I, I'm healed. I once was blind, but now I could see. Because there's times when God touches us, and the only thing we can ever do is relate to our circumstance by the way that we've always felt our life. And when the preacher says, how do you feel? We feel in the natural way that we've always related to. 
And sometimes God has to touch our hard heads, and I'm talking about mine, to get me to see it the way it really is. And he touches me again, and a light bulb in that aha moment goes on, and I'm thinking, now I see it, Lord. Now I believe it. Where I once couldn't believe, Lord, I do now believe because I was seeing things the way I felt it. I was believing the reports that I was hearing. Lord, I was going up on the base of a four-stage cancer when there says there is no hope. I, I, I'm believing, Lord, on, on the fourth stage of, of Pam when they sent her home and, and she's in a bed and she's 30-something years old. And I may have told this story here and as I tell it before. And, and I think, Lord, as I sat there as a young teenager going to preach a revival for a pastor, and I sat there and, and that pastor began to pray and he prayed 30 minutes. And, and then uh, I kind of winked to see how he was. And he began to pray again for another 30 minutes. And I winked again because I'd already prayed in that first 30 minutes everything I knew to pray about healing and then he went on down now to an hour and a half and I winked again and and I and finally he stopped and he said Pam I think you just need to get out of that bed and you need to walk I thought man this lady's muscles is hard he started to deteriorate she's on a she's bed fast and her her kids are there crying at the end of the bed and her husband's about to have a nervous breakdown and so help me if the power of God didn't hit her. And she got out of that bed and ran from one end of her house to the next. That 14-year-old daughter who had never spoken in tongues instantly began to speak in tongues and married a Church of God preacher and became a pastor's wife in the Church of God. I saw things the way in my natural that I did that my flesh appealed. And there's always that side that says, this guy's... Just teasing. And, but yet there's that side of us in our flesh that seems to hinder. But I'm here to tell you tonight that you're saying, yeah, preacher, I've heard miracle messages. Some of you might have even bought some of that miracle water on TV. I don't know who sells that anymore, but if you have, that's your business. And you're saying, Brother Rex, my family's dying, lost, and going to hell in my circumstance. And when I get up and praise God and thank Him for being a healer, there's that side of me that says, sit down, you have no faith, because look at your family, they're going to hell in a handbasket. Look at you, you don't believe in healing because you're sick yourself. How can you encourage somebody else to get saved when your family's lost? How can you pray for someone else when they need healed? But yet you need healing and your family does yourself. I'm here to tell you that we've all been there when our circumstance contradicts what it seems that we believe. But I'm here to tell you tonight that in ourselves we cannot do it. But give me, let me give you some encouraging words that Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, do you now believe? Indeed, in John 16, 31, John 16, 31, the Bible said, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming yes has even come now that you will be scattered each to his own you'll leave me alone because the father is with me these things I've spoken to you that in me ye may have peace because in the world you will have tribulation how many can say amen to that
But the Bible said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And greater is he that's in me than he now that's in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Brother, you may be here and sick on your last leg. You may have family that's dying lost. But I'm here to tell you not because it's my words, but Jesus saved. Yes, he does. Okay, he is a healer. He is still a deliverer because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, brother. Don't you be defeated by your flesh. Don't you let the natural get in your way, brother. We should not be second-class citizens, brother. We should stand up and say, yes, my circumstance contradicts what I believe, but yet there is a God in me that's greater than me, greater than my circumstance, greater than anything that I can proclaim. Woo! If you believe it, lift your hands toward heaven and give him praise. Yes! The Bible said, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm telling you, we are more than overcomers tonight. Hallelujah. You say, how can I believe it? I believe it because Jesus is my way. He is my truth. He is my life. Hallelujah. Because a long time ago, David said, mercy and truth are met together. And I'm here to tell you tonight that facts are no match for God's truth. Facts are no match. Circumstances are no match for God's truth. Pastor Richard here preached about truth. And I was inside saying, go, go, preach it, lay it, listen to it. He's telling you, hey, he that heareth the hearing, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear except God send them a preacher? And he did it this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Listen, the Bible said about this, facts are no match for the truth. That's fine. But like Abraham, the Bible Bible said in Romans, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed righteousness unto him. But the problem is everybody wishes to have truth on his side, but it's not everybody that wishes to be on the side of truth. There's a lot to be said about truth, and the Bible we know is truth, and God's Word is truth. And, and if we don't believe them, then our experience of salvation is simply going to be in vain. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I know you believe that I am, but then you've got to realize that, yes, if you can only believe truly that I can do this, then all things are simply impossible. And something began to click in the Father's cry and in his heart. And when he responded in true faith and he conquered and got past the natural situation, then he realized, yes, that God truly is a healer. Hallelujah. John 17, 17 said, Thy word is truth. You say, Brother Rex, what are you telling me? Sometimes... I know what the facts are tonight. I know what the circumstances are tonight. 
you do too, but they're no match for God's truth. Let me tell you something about truth. A vote doesn't make something right, only legal. Slavery in years past was legal, but it wasn't right. It wasn't truth. Abortion is made legal, but it's not morally right. Paul said, all things are lawful to me, but he did not take at liberty those things, lest they become a stumbling block. Winston Churchill said this. He said that men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and, and hurry off as though nothing ever happened after stumbling over the truth. We've got people that come face to face with the truth of God, but yet remain bound, remain addicted, rather than taking hold to truth. Truth is not always seen, but sometimes it's something that's brought to light. How? Paul said, by studying to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Everybody say truth. It's not always seen at first. But it's something that God instills by the studying of his word. As we rightly divide it, truth becomes a light. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Brian, you realize, I understand what that means now. And I've read it a hundred times. But I see what it means now. I get it. It's hard for us sometimes in our flesh to choose what's right and wrong. It is. That's why doubt sometimes comes in our circumstance. And even after preaching this, you say, but you don't understand my circumstance. I understand that. And you don't you understand it's hard for me to grab on to truth. Sure it is. It's hard to choose that truth in our flesh. Sometimes because it's always contrary to the law. It's just like truth. People can be legally wrong. Doesn't always make it truth and sometimes confusing. It's because the flesh justifies us. Truth can be looked at two different ways. I don't know how long, pastors, I've been preaching. I'm normally not a long-winded preacher, and I'm not a liar either. Truth sometimes is looked at in our day in society in two different ways. It's looked as relevant in other words, time and space are different. It's true then, but not now. It's relevant. What's true for you is not true for me. It's relative truth. I'm here to tell you that God's truth is absolute. What is ever true at one time is in one place is true at all places and times. Whatever is true in one person is true for all. In other words, he has no respecter of persons. If he'll heal Pastor Gary, he'll heal me. If he's healed my children, he'll heal your children. If he saved my family, he'll save your family. That's what truth is. It doesn't change. The Bible said he's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. Listen, as we've stated before, he never changes within himself. Truth is always there. But the problem is, is like it says in Galatians chapter 12, verse 2, when we get saved, here's what happens. The Bible said, he said that we are no more conformed 
to the things of this world, but we become transformed by the renewing of our mind. And when we get saved, God transforms our thinking. In other words, we transform our stinking thinking because in our flesh, we want to doubt. In our flesh, we want to pity. In our flesh, we want to feel sorry. But when God transforms our mind by the renewing of his spirit, all of a sudden, where there was no way, we see a way. And the man that was lost is now found, and he sees the sky bluer as he did grayer. And he sees his neighbor as lovely as where he used to see him so unlovely. There's something awesome about the God that changes our mind. You see, the world teaches you that I'll believe it when I see it. I've heard many people say they would believe in God in the Bible if they could see some type of evidence or sign. But listen, I really don't think that that would even work because it didn't even work with those who physically walked with Jesus. They saw signs and wonders, but yet they still staggered and doubted unbelief. The ways of God are totally upside down than those of the world. Instead of saying, I'll believe it when I say it, the Word of God teaches us, I see it when I believe it. It's the opposite. Sometimes, you see, Rex, so you're telling me what happens when my beliefs contradicts and my circumstance is contradictory what I believe. And I'm here to tell you just to hold on to truth. His word is truth. I think my son's right. He's only 12. He'll be 13 next month. Maybe God just needs to hear again that God's word is what's true. People sometimes are relative in their friendships, but God is not. He's absolute. We're not a post-secondary type of philosophy in this church. We do believe in absolutes. We do believe in the assurities of God's word. Sometimes truth hurts. Pay for the wounds of, of a friend. Sometimes the truth, most time, all the truth helps you. It does. And the truth heals you because the Bible said, the truth shall make you free, and he that the Son has set free is free indeed. When your beliefs contradicts the circumstance, just hang on. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. I want them to get this scripture up if they will. That's the only one I'm requesting. I'm closing. You say, Brother Rex, how come God doesn't heal everybody? And you're telling me if I believe it, it is. When you get to eternity... You're going to have to talk to him about that because I don't know that. Sorry about that. You say, Brother Rex, what about those in the book of Hebrews chapter 11? By faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. By faith, even Rahab. And by faith, Moses. And you're reading all of these in the faith they sojourned in. And the Bible, I love this scripture. The Bible said in verse 32 of chapter 11, And what shall I say more? For time would not tell of Gideon and, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samson and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteous, obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions and quenched the fire 
the violence of fire, escaped the edge out of the sword, and out of weakness they were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight, and, and, and the armies of aliens, and, and verse 35, and women who received their dead raised to life. That's the part we always think sometimes we're part of. But God's got another special group of people. And others. Everybody say that together. And others. Oh, hallelujah. And others were tortured. They weren't delivered. And others not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. They had trials of cruel mockings and scourging, may were bonds, imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with thorns. They wandered in desert, sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and torment of who the world was not even worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves. Oh, you're saying, preacher, I don't want to be a part of that group. I don't either. But I've seen some in church go through some of those same things. And we sit there at the feet in prayer lines and saying, Preacher, I don't understand what God's got going on in my life. I'm going to tell you what the Bible said. Woo, hallelujah. The Bible said, all of these, everybody one time say, and others. It's that other group. The Bible said, these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. No, they didn't. But the Bible said in verse 40, God has provided something better for them. <laughs> you may be here and you've got cancer. God's got something better, I promise you. You may be here and you've got children and family that are destitute and bound. God has things prepared better for them if we can only believe. Because His truth never changes. And others. Let's stand. I'm done. You say, Brother Rex, I understand exactly where you're at. Devils lie to you not to get prayed for no more, not to give prayer requests no more because he makes him feel like you're weak, like you don't have any faith just because you're requesting prayer. But I'm here to tell you, we've all been there when our circumstance contradicts what we believe. But brother, I'm hanging on to something greater than any circumstance or any facts, any type of report that we might get. I'm hanging on to the Word of God. He says, I'm healed. He says that I can be delivered. He says, yes, we are more than overcomers. He says that there are some things that are better for us. Hallelujah. Listen, God's got things better. Don't you turn away. Don't doubt. He's got it better. Hang on to truth. Don't let that enemy, don't let anything contrary tell you. One old sister told me very simply down the country. I first started preaching, she said, Brother Rex, Sister Gilbert, she's going on to be with the Lord. She's one of those saints. One of those saints that still had her hair way up here on her head. She come and I respect her. She's a praying lady. She said, Brother Rex, she said, I want you to know something. 
the devil ain't never going to tell you to do anything good. I said, but how do you know it's God speaking? Well, number one is, I know that's simple, ain't it? She said, just remember, the devil's never going to be the one to tell you to do something good. He's never going to tell you to keep praying. He's never going to tell you to keep believing. He's never going to tell you to hang on to the truth. He's always going to be contrary. And there's always going to be that flesh, Sister Liz, that's contrary all the way back and forth. I'm closing, and I promise. Blair, Oklahoma, might have been in the, the community of Gypsy. Right out of there. Hundred and, I think it's 104 years old, came to church one day years ago. She said, I was sitting in my chair in the living room. She said, the devil came and paid me a visit. That's the way she talked. She said, I've been saved for 70-something years. He came today in my living room and told me I ought to just turn around and quit going to church. I thought, 104 years old? Been saved 70-something years and the devil trying to tell her to quit? I know that sounds very superficial, but he'll do the same thing to you until you believe it. But I'm here to tell you, we can overcome because he has overcome. We can go through because he came and he overcame death. He overcame those things. So what are you saying? Hang on to him. I won't open these altars for everybody. I guess that's all right. Is that all right, pastors? I won't open these altars. and We've all been there. You may be there tonight, and this preacher, all I've done is tried to tell you, hang on to truth. I want you to come as they begin to play. I'm opening these altars. I want you to come. You say, Brother Rex, my circumstance contradicts what I believe, but I'm believing truth, not my circumstance. I'm going to hang on to God's truth, not the facts, because facts are no match for truth, because one day mercy and truth were met together. Come on. Hang on to truth. Hang on to truth. Hang on to truth. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Sometimes you're right. Your circumstances are going to contradict what you believe. That's no sign for you to doubt and quit. You keep believing anyway. You hang on to you know what is truth. Jesus and his word is truth. Hallelujah. I need thee. I need thee. Maybe that's you this afternoon. You say, Lord, I need you. Hallelujah. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. The psalmist said, I cried. I cried out to the Lord, and he heard me. He hears you tonight. To thee. Hallelujah. I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. 
Amen. Can we give the Lord a shout tonight? Can we give him praise? just send a reminder that there's a funeral tomorrow for Brother Tom Brown at 12 o'clock, 11 or 11.30. Okay. And tell me the name of the funeral home. McCoy Levin. Okay. Amen. I'm thankful tonight for the Word of God. Are you thankful for that? Would you stand to your feet with me as we dismiss in prayer? I'm thankful. Sometimes, you know, when the Lord gives us something to preach and to share, we never really know sometimes the good it does. We never really know how much somebody's been praying, somebody's been seeking the Lord, somebody's been going through something. But I want to tell you, Rex, a, a couple of, of people that I've talked to, that was a word right on time for them tonight, I know, and for myself, and I'm thankful for that. Are you thankful for the word of God tonight? I'm thankful for that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The truth sets us free, and that was the truth tonight, and I, I'm free in that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, we praise you, we worship you for all that you've done. God, we ask you tonight as we go forth, you might seal up the work that's been accomplished. God, we might go forth from here in your blessing, Lord. We, we don't cease to, we don't leave the church. God, we are the church. God, we go out into our homes and our workplaces. And Father, the restaurant, Frisch's Big Boy tonight. God, wherever it may be. And Father, we take you with us, God. And we ask, Lord, that your light may shine through us. And Father, we just pray that you'd continue to strengthen us and protect us as we walk in your blessings. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you.